Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and I am excited to share with you today a podcast that I recorded with Adam and Carissa King, who are a therapist coach team based out of California who serve couples through marriage counseling and just a variety of resources. Their organization is called Dear Young Married Couple, and they have a significant social media following and a really successful podcast that I definitely encourage you to check out. But Adam and Carissa invited us to be on their podcast and talk about how the principles in our Keys to Freedom study can transform and strengthen a marriage. It was a really, really fun conversation and uh, just just really cool to kind of look at the keys to freedom through the lens of marriage. And we just loved this conversation so much that we wanted to share it with um, our Mercy Talk listeners. So whether you are currently married, want to one day be married, or you know somebody um, who is married who you could share this episode with, we hope that this conversation is encouraging and maybe even a little bit challenging. That's always a good thing. So I'm really glad that you've joined us and hope that you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to ditch the baggage and change your life. And we have the privilege of having Melanie Wise with us today from Mercy Multiplied. Mercy Multiplied is an incredible organization that you're going to hear more about in the episode. Um, But they have a program that's all about the seven keys for freedom from this baggage. Um, And they do a great work. Um, We've been connected with them personally here in the Sacramento area with clients that we've sent their way. And um, man, they're, they're doing a work for the Lord and for the hearts and minds of lots of individuals. So let's get into it. So welcome, Melanie, to the podcast. We're so grateful to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Well, we um, work with a lot of people and have a lot of Mm -hmm. folks in our audience um, that have a lot of baggage, don't we all? And um, people go into marriage with a lot of baggage. Mm. So you and your co-author have written a program and a book, and we'll talk more about the book toward the end, but you guys give us seven keys for freedom from this baggage. Mm. So we're going to jump right into that first key. Well, maybe before we do, could you give us just a short definition of what you're talking about when you say baggage? Mm, Yeah. What's, Mm -hmm. what is that baggage that we're trying to get rid of? Yeah. So, um, goodness, there's all kinds of things. I think that the enemy uses throughout our lives to try to hold us back Mm -hmm. from everything that the Lord has for us, whether that's as individuals or certainly in our relationships and our marriages and our families. Um, there are hurts from our past, uh, or maybe not even from our past, maybe just from earlier today, mm-hmm. you know, um, there are lies that we uh, maybe have wrestled with that the enemy has kind of used as an attack on our lives. There are just areas of maybe unforgiveness. There's different things mm-hmm. that the enemy can really use to just kind of wreak havoc and just mm-hmm. keep us bound up. And so when we say baggage, we're really referring to those things that, um, that really the enemy is using to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the book ditch the baggage that Nancy Alcorn wrote, we, uh, we kind of 
created a study version of that called keys to freedom. Mm -hmm. And so it's really those keys to freeing ourselves from those things that the enemy is using to, to really kind of keep us trapped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would be examples of some of those things? Like you guys work with a lot of women who have been abused. Um, what are some of the other, uh, baggage items? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, to answer that, I I would say just kind of something that's foundational to what we teach at Mercy within our, we have a residential program. We also have an outpatient program. And what I oversee is really reaching into communities and churches. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're talking about men and women of all ages. And so we have seen and heard it all at this point. Um, But the kind of the analogy that we use um, is like the analogy of a tree. We talk about our lives as, you know, you've got the branches of a tree, which is what everybody looks at and everybody sees. It's the most obvious stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that we usually look at in our lives. And we're like, I want to get rid of that. You know, I want to get rid of this constant insecurity. I want to get rid of, you know, for some of the more life controlling things that we see in our residential program, addictions or eating disorders or self-harm. But sometimes it's things, I mean, for me, it's perfectionism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like things that people maybe wouldn't look at and and say, oh, that's such a horrible thing. But man, it's something that has me bound up sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. But what we talk about is how there's a root system underneath a tree that you usually don't see. It's not usually super obvious, mm-hmm. but those roots kind of get all of their power from the different things that we've walked through in our life. Mm-hmm. So if you've walked through maybe um, uh, abuse or the divorce of parents or bullying as a kid, those types of things can grow roots mm-hmm. of abandonment and rejection and unworthiness. Mm-hmm. And it's those roots that then kind of inform what we call the trunk, the belief system. So it's the things I believe about myself, the things I believe about God, the things I believe about the world around me, those roots kind of inform our belief system. But then that's what determines those branches, those external things, the things that come out of me. Sometimes it's even just my attitudes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So people usually think that those outcomes or those behaviors are the problem, Mm -hmm. but they're really just a bad solution to a much deeper problem. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about freedom, we're like, no, it's not about fixing up your behavior and getting rid of just the external stuff. It's about letting the Lord into the roots, those deepest places of who you are, because that's when the tree gets healthy. Like when the roots get dealt with, the tree gets healthy and all of that unhealthy junk, it doesn't have anything to hold on to anymore. It just honestly kind of just starts falling off as you become healthier from the inside out, if that makes sense. So that's a good analogy. Right. I love that. Um, I had a friend who told me that not every, not every weight is a sin talking about mm. the running, you know, like Paul was talking about laying aside every weight. You're yeah. Talking about sin, but that's good. You know, I, I guess what you're saying is, you know, we, we have baggage and not always is that baggage like perfectionism. That's not a sin sure. per se. Sure. Um, but it, but it can hold you captive. It can, <laughs> well, it can hold you yeah. from, from running the race Yes. With endurance as you could. Right. Yes, or, absolutely. So, yeah. I love that. It's such a great analogy and it has so many ways of like mm-hmm. applying this to mm-hmm. life. So you have seven keys. Mm-hmm. Um, could you walk us through those seven keys of, of ditching the baggage? Yes. I'm glad we sure. started with that intro. Good call. So yeah, yes. Yeah. That was important. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the first key to freedom that we talk about is committing and connecting to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so um, for us, you know, we would say, and um, I'm kind of more pulling from like our keys to freedom language, our study. um, But we kind of 
call that the master key, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, it kind of is the key that opens every other door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would also say that he is the master key for marriage. I mean, he is at the center of it all. If you don't have Jesus, you've lost connection to the power source, you know? Um, And so that is pivotal for us. Um, There are promises and things that we want to be able to claim in our lives and believe for. And there's a power that I need to walk through these other keys that I will not have if I do not have Jesus Mm. at the center of it. Um, And we talk a lot about how a total commitment is required, that God needs access to every single part of us and who we are. All those little things that we're like, Lord, you can have all this, but we are not going to go there. Like, (laughs) I do not want to talk about that part of my life or that thing from my past. We're not going there. You know, he needs all access for us to have all access to that, just that, that power and that freedom. And so I can't really offer part of my heart and my life to God and expect to walk in complete freedom. And I would say that is true for a marriage as well. Um, but uh, the the second part of that is just the connection piece. It's not just committing, but it's connecting to God and to Christ. And so a big part of that for us is the ability to just receive, be able to hear and receive from the Lord. I'm always hesitant to say here, cause I'm not talking about like the audible voice. Right. So we're not going there specifically, but we're just saying that the Lord wants to communicate things to us. Um, and we have to know how to receive from him in that way. Um, it's so important for me and I'm going to kind of always try to tie this back to marriage, but it's so important that I know how to hear from the Lord. And that I know that my husband knows how to hear from the Lord, because there are things that I'm not going to be able to hear from anybody unless it comes through the Holy spirit. Like there is, there is a power when the Holy spirit speaks to us, um, that really, can't happen in any other relationship. And so I need to know that I know how to receive from God in that way. And that my husband knows how to receive from God, because that is, those are pivotal, pivotal pieces to being able to walk in freedom. So good. Committing and connecting to Christ sounds a lot like surrender. Right. Oh man. Don't hold back any piece. (laughs) I think that's where people get stuck a lot of times when they're trying to heal from wounds and history mm. and pain as, as they are not willing to surrender fully. That's right. And, yeah. and you can't have true connection, full connection and infilling of the spirit unless there's full surrender. That's right. If you were to, to walk a friend through this, um, how would you structure that commitment? Like what would that look like? to say, okay, you, you need to commit. Is that just like, well, go home and like write that in your journal or what does that look like? Yeah. You know, um, I will say that, um, giving your life to the Lord, committing your life to the Lord, we've had to be very honestly, like even when we've released this keys to freedom resource, we are like even our organization, um, the people who were part of putting this book together were from different backgrounds, different denominations. And we're like, man, depending on what church you're in, that's going to look very unique and very different. So even in that, we guide people. We're like, you know, if this is a decision that you want to make, if you're like, you know what, I'm tired of trying to figure this out myself, trying to set myself free with my very limited human power. I need something um, that is way beyond me and my own ability um, to, to really be able to change my life and to transform my heart. Because really we do not believe that transformation is possible outside of the power of, of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. if you've kind of come to that place where you realize I have, I need that. And I'm ready, as you have already said, Chris, that to surrender, I'm at that point in my life. Then we always encourage people, man, find a local church, get connected, share that decision with someone in that church. Mm-hmm. And they'll kind of help you walk out what that looks mm-hmm. like, because 
again, depending on where you, your background or depending on where you are, that may look a little different. Um, but that's, I don't know if that answers that question, but that's that's kind of what I would say. What's key number two. Okay. So key number two is renewing the mind. Um, and this is really just talking about the importance of taking ownership over your thought life. I believe that the Lord expects that we can exercise control over our bodies and what we do over our mouths and what we speak. But also I think that, I mean, it's even clear in scripture that he talks about taking your thoughts captive, that we have a power again through Jesus Mm -hmm. to, to take ownership of that parts of who we are. Um, and man, you know, when you think about our, enemy. It's like from the get go, he was a deceiver always has been. And John eight 44 to me is like the perfect scripture to point. I mean, it says that he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Mm. I mean, it's like pretty crystal clear. That Mm. is his mode of attack is deception and lies. And again, trying to continue to tie this into marriage. Like one of the things that he'll lie, he'll lie to us about who God is about the character of God, who he is, what he thinks of us, those Mm -hmm. types of things. Um, There's been seasons of my life where I have, I've literally kind of had the thoughts of like, God does not see you. Mm -hmm. God has abandoned you. God is not listening to your prayers. Like, so he'll lie to you about who God is. He'll definitely lie to you about who you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's usually the quickest for people to identify. Mm -hmm. But I also think he'll lie to you about kind of the people around you and the world around you. Uh, an easy example of this would be, you know, some of the girls who come into our uh, residential program have come in and because of their history, they're like, you know what? Every man is out to hurt me. No man can be trusted. And so the enemy can lie to you even about people in the world around you. And I've seen that play out in my marriage sometimes where like the enemy has lied to me about the thoughts or intentions of sure. my husband. And I've believed things that aren't even true. And so I think he can really uh, just come in and just use deception to really wreak a lot of, of, mm. of havoc and destruction in our lives. So basically we just talk about how, how important it is that we identify the thoughts that are constantly running through our minds, mm. that we have a choice when those thoughts come in to say, I'm going to reject this as a lie, or I'm going to accept this as truth. Mm. Um, and so when you start recognizing lies that you have believed, being able to know where the source of truth is being able, I mean, I can go on and on this one could, I could go on a long, a long time That's on this good, one. Cause this is a I just want to get very passionate about, but, um, I won't, I won't go into the whole breakdown of how, how you do that. But I think that that is, uh, just a really pivotal piece. And I would also say that just, again, when it comes to how this can play out in marriage, like a life coach that my husband and I have seen, uh, for the last few years Mm -hmm. gave us a really good tool to use with one another. Cause I said, you know, the enemy can really lie to you even about your spouse Mm -hmm. or about who, what they are thinking or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And he gave me this great piece of advice because I am one who is such an internal processor and I don't want to say stuff out loud until I've really thought it through. Mm -hmm. And, and that has really caused issues in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm thinking all this stuff and my husband has no idea what I'm thinking, you know? And so he, our, our life coach uh, gave us the advice of saying, Hey, what if you just said this every once in a while to each other? So my husband, his name is Pete. Hey, Pete, like, so I have this message in my head right now about what's happening between us. And it's saying this, and I just need to throw that out there. And you can tell me if that is so off base or true. And I mean, just that it's literally like taking a thought captive And it's, and it's processing it with my spouse of being like, is this true about what's happening? (laughs) So this, you, you can walk this out with the Lord. Absolutely. But this can also really be an awesome tool just to use in your marriage and in your relationship with each other. That's good. So what you're saying 
or would you say, is part of healing the hurts that we all have is taking the captivity, those thoughts that would be a lie about ourself or about our situation Mm -hmm. and kind of Mm -hmm. facing those things with the truth. Yes, absolutely. This is kind of, you know, using that tree analogy, this is the trunk. This is that belief system. This is where the enemy is going after, Um, you know, we're going to, I mean, we're going to be talking about this in the next key, but we all experience hurt in our life. There's no escaping that. Right. But what the enemy does is he uses those circumstances to then to start bringing deception in. And that's where we can really cut it off Mm. and say, you know what, I I may not be able to keep hurt from happening, but I sure can exercise control over my thought life Mm. and what I'm going to allow to kind of sit at the table in my mind, if you will. It's good because you're, you're approaching it from what do we have control over? The things that have happened, I don't have any control over them anymore. Besides the fact of what I allow inside me. Yes. Yes, Uh, absolutely. That's good. Absolutely. Well, take us to number three. Well, so number three is healing life's hurts. And so, um, you know, all of the bondage that most of us have walked through began as a hurt. Mm. And when I say hurt, it could be like a one-time thing that happened, or it could be your entire childhood. You know, Mm. it could be, and it doesn't always have to be like way back in the past, but I will say a lot of our deepest issues today are from wounds that happened like years and years ago, Mm. a lot of times in our childhood, you know? Um, And, and so this one to me, man, this one can be, the most destructive in a marriage, I think, if it's not really looked at and dealt with, um, because, you know, if, if we don't allow the Lord in to heal those wounds mm-hmm. of our past, man, they will start to dictate the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. They will dictate our decisions. They will dictate the things that we think, like we just talked mm-hmm. about our thought lives. Um, and man, if you want all of your like wounds and issues from your past to get like hit on, like just get married. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, I just, and I, this is why I'm just like, the Lord uses marriage to refine you. And it's because it like, it can really start getting into some of that stuff that you're like, wow, I didn't ever want to have to think or deal with that again. And I guess I'm going to have mm. to, because it is all coming up, you know? Mm. And so we talk a lot about how important it is to really kind of allow the Lord to give us his perspective Mm -hmm. on the things that have happened to us and to invite him into those hurts and into those maybe memories that have, you know, just really kind of affected our lives, you know, in the years following. And so some of, some of this key is really about, again, just being able to go to the Lord and say, man, like, here's what happened. Here's what I thought. Here's what I felt. Um, Lord, I need you to show me what, what, what are you seeing? Mm -hmm. Like, what was your perspective? Where were you? I mean, sometimes that's the question Mm -hmm. is like, where were you when this happened? What did you see? Mm -hmm. What did you say about me in that situation? You know, and really just, um, again, this is why it's so important for people to know just how to receive from the Lord in that way and how to be able to go to him in prayer and be able to um, to have this dialogue with him and be able to get his perspective on the things that have happened. Because as he does that, man, there is a healing that can happen, uh, in your heart that is really, really powerful. When you asked that question, you know, Lord, where were you? It reminded Mm. me of Jeremiah's angry prayers, right? He had a lot of hurt and he did not hold back. He said, so Lord, good. where were you? He said, curse yep. the day I was born. Like, mm-hmm. but he stayed on the mission that God had for him, even though yeah. he was angry and he was grieving and he was taking those hurts to the Lord. 
He questioned mm-hmm. God even. He took him to the right place. He took it. He doubted towards right. faith, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, man. Oh, you could, you could definitely get me going yeah. on that one. I actually just spoke at a church yesterday mm-hmm. and spoke on that very topic um, about being very open and honest with the Lord about how you feel Mm -hmm. sometimes about him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, because here's the thing, like, it's not going to throw him off. It's not going to, he's not going to be like, wait, what? I didn't know you had those thoughts toward me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you felt that about me. You know, Um, he already knows. And the only one that's being hurt by you not bringing those things to him is you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the great and beautiful thing about the Lord is that he can literally know our darkest thoughts and feelings towards him, but he does not distance himself from us Mm -hmm. in the midst of that, um, that he's not going to change his mind about us, despite us, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is so, that is just such a safe place to, to be able to go, okay, God, then here it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been, I've been encouraged in the past when I've gone through some really dark days, like if you've got rage in your heart, towards the Lord, you need to rage at the Lord. He can handle it. He can handle it. And when you are willing to reveal yourself fully to him, he will reveal himself to you. And now I can say on the other end, like I know him Mm -hmm. in ways that I never would have known him before. If I hadn't been willing to be honest, like you've Mm -hmm. said about the pain and the hurt that I've experienced. So that's, Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you for sharing your experience. too. All right. Key number four. So key number four is choosing to forgive. And this one probably most directly relates to marriages sometimes, but, um, but, you know, I will say one of the things that we talk about in our keys to freedom study is that, you know, usually when you hear about forgiveness, you're just thinking about forgiving other people who hurt you, but we actually unpack this idea of forgiving God, which I have, every time I say that people are like, I'm sorry, what (laughs) I said that at the church yesterday. And if you could have seen people's (laughs) eyes, like get her off the stage. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, give me a second. Like I'm not saying God needs to be forgiven because he's ever done anything wrong. Right. Right. God is good. God is perfect. He has never done anything wrong, but sometimes we can have expectations of him or think he should have responded in a certain way, or he should have done something differently. Mm -hmm. And we can harbor anger and bitterness in our hearts towards him. So that's that part that we kind of already hit on there, but this is for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100%. It is about you, it is not about the person who has hurt you, um, especially in marriages. It is not about your spouse. It is about you and your freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the Lord doesn't command us to forgive, to make our lives difficult. You know, like people want to look at these scriptures and be like, well, the Lord says you don't forgive. You're not going to be forgiven, yeah. you know, forgive 70 times, 7,700, whatever, you know, like <laughs> the Lord says, the Lord says, it's like, it's just this thing. That's just this like rule that mm-hmm. just, you know, is here to make life hard. No, like he knows that forgiveness is a vital part of us being able to live whole and healed yeah. and free. And so mm-hmm. he commands us to do it. It's again, it's always for our good. Yes. Right. And so, um, you know, we talk a lot, um, about kind of the myths of forgiveness, which, you know, I won't try to unpack all of those, but one of those is that forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling, um, because there's that like justice side of us that really does not like forgiveness no because it doesn't seem fair, um, and our feelings and sometimes even our logic, like our often pushing against us mm-hmm. on this one, you know, and, and because of that forgiveness, 
is not a natural response. It is a supernatural response. And so this one of, I mean, I would say this about all of the keys, but specifically this one, man, if you do not have the power of Jesus in your life, like this one's going to be very difficult because it is not a natural thing to be able to forgive others. Um, and, you know, forgiveness is not about saying that what somebody did was okay. It's basically saying that whether or not what you did was okay, I'm going to let the Lord handle that. Like I'm going to surrender that and release that. Um, and just remembering that, you know, you not forgiving another person, especially if it's maybe your spouse, um, it's not like you're going to get one over on them. Right. You know, it's not like that's how you get revenge on somebody. You are the one get, being the most hurt right. by withholding forgiveness. Um, and so uh, Joyce, I, I don't know if it's a Joyce Meyer quote. I actually looked this up a long time ago and I think like there are 20 people out there who are attributed okay. with this quote, <laughs> but it's a very well-known quote. I think we've always given Joyce Meyer credit for it, but it's that one that's withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person yes. to die, you know? So it's just really hurting you more than anyone and keeping you bound up in that bitterness. And man, I am shocked with, especially within our residential program, these young women come in, you know, having so many different struggles and hurts and issues. And I cannot, imagine how many testimonies I have heard at this point who have, they've said like everything changed when I made the decision to forgive. I was doing all my stuff in counseling. I was doing all this stuff, processing all these things with the Lord and everything, like everything, like it was almost like we were on turbo speed after I chose to forgive mm -hmm. that that was the thing that really, you know, changed things for them. And so, um, this is a really, really big one. Yeah, so huge. Big. So yeah. big. I think for clients that we've worked with, mm. the, that's the biggest takeaway for them normally is that, you know, forgiveness is not this one big, huge moment that mm -hmm, we work up mm -hmm. to. Um, and that I feel like it's like a mountaintop experience of like, yeah, I forgive. Yes. And the angels are singing. <laughs> it's like a, right. you typically don't feel like doing it. Yeah. Yes. It's not a comfortable thing. But after yeah. you're done or even while you're doing it, mm -hmm. it, it feels, it starts to feel better, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. something we have mm -hmm. to practice. I think that's why right. he said that, like, you know, forgiving 70 times seven, it's not just, you know, oh, you know, I forgive and it's done. It's a choice right. every single day right. to drop that acid on the ground or yes. drop the poison on the ground and not to ingest it. Yes. It's so good. I mean, and I would say that literally about every key that we're talking about, um, maybe besides like commitment to Christ, that is usually a, a decision, but I do have to decide in essence, every single day that I'm going to continue to walk right. in that place of commitment with yeah. the Lord. So I guess even that, would yeah, be good. Totally. But I would say that every single key, I mean, it is a process. Oh, yeah. It is a process. This is not a one-time thing. God is a God of process. I mean, he even created the world yes. in process. It, he didn't just do it in one day. Like right. he, you know, he is, always been a God of process. Um, and so knowing that forgiveness is a huge one, I mean, that right. is not typically like a, or a renewing the mind. Like I'm just going to decide today that I believe this. Nope. Sorry. It usually doesn't happen overnight. These are right. all ongoing choices, ongoing process. And we're all in yeah. it. Like none of us are exempt or none of us have graduated. So <laughs> we're all in process. Right. So it's a marathon. Yeah, it is. A marathon. So keep on yes. running until we go to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay. Uh, What's number five? five? 
Okay. So key five is breaking generational patterns. Um, and this one, I always joke about whenever I'm teaching this one, you know, in front of people, I will always say like, if you do not think that you have inherited any generational patterns, you just need to get married and then they will all come to light. Cause you typically think like, this is how everybody does life. This is how we respond to this. This is how we respond to that. Just because that's typically how you were raised. I mean, from big things to even small things, you know, I mean, there are things that I have done where my husband's like, I'm sorry, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, what? I thought this is how, no, this is not how the whole world does it, you know? So it's just funny how that can all come out. So, um, but really this one, you know, some people have talked about like, oh, like the generational curses and the curses upon generation after generation, but love to we don't typically go into like generational curses and that type of thing. Not that we aren't going to say that that's not a thing, but what we're really talking about is just these patterns of behavior and choices that we have seen typically from childhood, typically from our parents. And guess what? They saw it from their parents and they saw it from their parents. And a lot of this stuff gets passed on and on. And sometimes it's great stuff. Like Like there are great patterns. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's not great stuff. And so um, I'm like, either get married or go to counseling. (laughs) One of the two, that stuff is going to start coming to light. And you're going to be like, whoa, I don't, I didn't realize this is all because this is how I saw my mom Mm -hmm. do it. And you know what? We are all, I've got two little ones now and I'm like, as much as I want to not pass anything negative onto them, it's going to happen. Like we all have, every generation has their things that they have to look at and deal with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes say, you know what, this is where this pattern is going to end. And, um, We'll talk more about this one in the next key, but that when you're in Christ, you have an authority um, to be able to step in and say, this is where this pattern ends. Like this has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And this is where it's going to stop. And my kids are going to have their own stuff to deal with and they're going to have their own stuff to face, but they are not going to have to fight this battle Mm. because this one I'm ending right here. You know what I mean? And so it can be really, really powerful, especially when you have children, when you say, what is the legacy I want to pass on to them? Um, And what choices am I going to make? And I'm not going to say it's like a one-time prayer again, process, Process, right? So I can pray and declare that this is going to end with, with my, uh, with my line, but there's going to be choices that have to follow that. Like, Lord, what is the practical way of walking out the breaking of this pattern in my family? You know, so there's that piece as well. So good. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what are the battles and the victories that I'm handing my kids? Mm -hmm. Yes. And think about that beforehand. I think that's, that's brilliant. What are we, what are we passing on? Cause you're either going to pass on a whole bunch more battles or a whole bunch of victories. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's all about intentionality, right? Like it's all about being able to step back and say, I'm going to be very um, thoughtful and intentional about what I am mm-hmm. allowing to pass on and, and the good things that I want to continue. Yes. So good. It's we've, we've heard it said, and we use this analogy a lot that, you know, we are like a bridge, right? And when we get mm. married, we connect that bridge, but then mm. marriage is like, the two ton truck that drives over the bridge and it reveals all the cracks that were in the bridge. Yes. And you know, the reality is when we talk about legacy, your children are going to be another extension of that bridge and then they're going to connect to another bridge. And do you want the same cracks to keep on going into Mm -hmm. their bridge or do you want to fix those cracks now? Wow. That's good. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, really good. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. We'll take us to number six. 
We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Okay, so man, this is one of my favorite. This one is using your authority in Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is, we talk a lot about how the enemy tries to come in and like apply pressure to our lives. The word that we've often used with that is oppression, but sometimes oppression can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different mm-hmm. people. So we try to clarify that by just saying, this is just areas of like pressure that the enemy can put in on your life. Again, this can be also on your marriage. These are areas where the enemy just tries to get in. And and this key is all about learning how to stand in your authority as a son or daughter of God, declaring the God's promises and purposes over your life, over your marriage. And, you know, this one can get a little depending on people's backgrounds and things that they've learned. People can come in with this one going, yeah, this is what it means. Or like, oh, I do not want anything to do with that because this has been used in really weird ways in my life, you know, but like we really just try to go like straight to scripture seeing how in scripture, it's very clear that, you know, the son of God, first John three, eight, this, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And before Jesus went to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that the scripture that like completely, because this was very new to me, I didn't really get raised kind of learning this one. Um, and so the scripture that I've never forgotten is the one from Ephesians two, six. And it says for God raised us from the dead, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Mm. So if Christ is seated at the right hand of the father, which is the seat of authority, like this scripture is saying that we are seated with him, that there is a place of authority that the sons and daughters of God have. And, and I don't, I think there are so many believers who don't know that they have access to that authority. And so they don't really walk in it. And I would, I would venture to say that's why there are so many believers who are kind of walking around in chains and walking around in bondage because they don't actually know what's available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one is really about understanding that when you commit your life to Christ, yes, you are identifying with him in his death and burial, but also in his resurrection mm-hmm. and in the power of the resurrection and that you actually inherit the name of Jesus that, you know, mm-hmm. is above every name. And so you actually have authority over the enemy. It doesn't mean that the enemy can't apply pressure and have power in your life at some level, but you have the final authority. He is a defeated foe. Um, And so when you understand that, you can really start to declare the truths of God. And I will tell you that understanding my authority, for example, has completely changed the way I pray. Mm -hmm. Because when I have looked at scripture and I've been like, you know what? But God said, I'm a daughter, I'm his daughter. And that one of the things that I have inherited as his daughter is peace. Mm -hmm. It's joy, it's freedom, it's forgiveness. So when I can feel the enemy coming in to steal those things from me, Mm -hmm. I don't have to go to the Lord and go, oh God, I need peace. I need peace. I mean, it's fine. 
I'm sure he's like, okay, mm-hmm. I actually gave it right. to you. Like this is part of your inheritance. I mean, you can ask me for it again, but I've given it to you. It's something that you get to claim for your life. And so instead of me going and asking the Lord for something that I believe he said is already mine, I actually am able to just declare to the enemy, Hey, guess what? No, like this fear and anxiety has to go in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to declare peace over mm-hmm. my life. And to be very clear, I'm not saying we're demanding of God. Right, right. When we're doing this, we're demanding of the enemy who we have authority over right. to give back to us whatever he's trying to That's steal. Right. So that can go Preach, that can go for our lives, but that can definitely go for our marriages. Yeah. I mean, I have de- I have written out scriptures and things that I'm declaring over my home mm-hmm. and over my family and over my That's marriage. Good. And I believe that we have the authority to do that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. God has already given you the power to do that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Yeah. We'll take us to the last one. Take number seven. Home. Yeah. So the last one is just um, maintaining lifelong freedom. And so this is really just about these like daily, regular things that we can put into practice in our lives to just continue to walk out the freedom that we have received. And here's the thing about, you know, even just like this keys to freedom study and these different keys that we've talked about because it is process, because it's not like a one and done thing. You just keep walking them out. You just keep using them. It's kind of like having, you know, your key ring, you've got them all, you've got all these keys on a key ring, right? You don't use them every day, but you got access to them anytime you need them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll need one key multiple times in a day. Sometimes you'll never even touch one, but you've got access to all of them. And so that's kind of how we see these keys. But this last one is really just about, we talk about um, the four stay ins is what we've used within our residential program. And it's staying in prayer, staying in the word, staying in fellowship and staying in accountability. And so for uh, graduates of our residential program, a lot of times when they go, you know, they graduate from our program and they go off into the world, they're living life and they find themselves kind of getting tripped up again or struggling with some things. And they'll call our transitional care department and they'll say, Hey, I'm kind of like kind of struggling here and there. And this is the first question we ask, how are you doing with your four stands? Mm. And it's about like, because they're all four important. It's not like just pick two and you'll be all right. Mm. Like, no, it's really about being able to continue to consistently walk in all four of them um, because they will, They will really keep you in that place of strength and continue to let the Lord move and heal in your life. And so they're all, they're all really, really important. Another part of this one that we talk a lot about is just knowing that you've got purpose and you've got destiny on your life. And I would say the same for your marriage, that your marriage has purpose, Mm -hmm. your marriage has destiny, and that no matter what woundedness you have walked through in your life or in your marriage, it's never too late. You are not too far gone. Um, We talk a lot about seeds and how like sometimes seeds just haven't been in an environment where they can flourish, but that doesn't mean they're dead. Like they just need to be planted somewhere where they can really flourish. And so never writing it off to say it's too far gone. Like there's nothing left for me or us um, that God can restore fully. Beautiful. I believe that hundred percent. Yes. It's really good. Yeah. I love that. Those, the four stains. I'm going to start yes, using that. I know. Me I'm going to steal that. <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah, they're for all of us. Anytime I find myself not in a great place, I'm like, man, I'm not doing the one, you, you know, understand. I find those ones. Yeah. Right. That's right. Good. So, well, for, for those listening, um, what resources could you point them to if they want to start working on this process? Well, um, so our, 
Keys to Freedom study is available on our website on mercymultiplied.com. We have, it's an eight week discipleship study. We would say that this is, these are discipleship Mm -hmm. tools. This isn't anything like, and, and, and for us, this is for the entire body of Christ. This isn't for people who are like, man, I'm in a bad, dark place of struggling. You know, like I believe every believer needs to know how to carry these and how to walk Amen. in these. I'm so glad I do because I regularly have to use them myself. Yeah. Um, and so for us, this is just part of discipleship. And so anyway, yeah, that, that resource can be found uh, at mercymultiplied.com okay. as well as I know that you guys mentioned that the uh, Nancy Alcorn, our founder and president, um, she wrote the book, Ditch the Baggage. And so the Keys to Freedom study was adapted from Nancy's book, uh, Ditch the Baggage, because these are the principles that the Lord kind of downloaded to Nancy years and years ago with our residential program. She tried different things and she just was like, Lord, I just need your direction on how we're going to help these young women in this mm-hmm. program. And this is kind of, these are the keys that mm-hmm. she felt like she received from the Lord. So we've been using them in our residential program for years and years. And just in 2017, did mm-hmm. we released the study Keys to Freedom mm-hmm. okay. uh, for people to be able to work, work through them in their own life. And nice. so, um, and so, yeah, it's being used in churches all over the world at this point. That's it's awesome. in a few different languages. And um, so it's been really cool to just see how the Lord has used it to transform people's lives. Excellent. Well, so we will good. link that in the show notes for sure. Awesome. And for those who awesome. aren't familiar with a residential program, you've referred to that a few times. Um, tell them about Mercy Multiplied and like what you guys offer at the different levels. Sure. So um, our residential program is for young women between the ages of 13 and 32. And um, they you apply online and it is a voluntary program. Uh, so the young women who come have chosen to come. They aren't you know, forced in. They're not court ordered in. Yeah. They have they have come to that place of going, you know what? I want change in my life and I'm ready to do what it takes Mm -hmm. to experience freedom, you know, and transformation. And so um, it's also free of charge, Mm -hmm. which is an incredible blessing. Nancy, our founder, um, has always believed strongly that the Lord told her, I do not want you making like she doesn't wait. Sorry to clarify that. She doesn't want people to think that we are making money off of their pain and off of their problems. And so we are completely donor funded, which is just an incredible blessing because Mm -hmm. because of the generosity of other people, um, we are able to keep our organization going and running and the young women who come are able to come free of charge. And where are the residential programs located? Oh, yes. So we have one in Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I live. This is where our headquarters is located. And then we have one in St. Louis, Missouri, and one in the Sacramento area actually. Uh, and so we also have a few international affiliates in UK and Canada and New Zealand. And so um, we, uh, again, we bring in young women from all 50 states. Yeah. So even if you don't live in one of those locations, and to be honest, there are times where it's actually sometimes better uh, to just like Get away. relocate to a new location for a little bit. And so we have an entire, you know, we have an intake process where you would interview with one of our uh, representatives of that team. And there would just be a decision made on kind of what the best fit is mm-hmm. for each person. Yeah. Such and a the, cool resource. The gals, just so uh, folks can kind of clarify, would they be a good fit if they mm-hmm, are experiencing mm-hmm. a lot of baggage and brokenness? Um, yeah. What are some of the common reasons that people apply to uh, be a part of the program? Goodness, I w- it, it is a wide, wide range. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times people think of a residential program and they think, oh, well, that's for people who are like 
way far gone, you know, and, and I would say that, you know, we have seen just a variety of different life controlling issues of, of girls who've come in maybe with addictions or eating disorders or self-harm issues, or uh, maybe uh, unplanned pregnancy, things of that nature. And then there are also young women who just come in and they're just, as you described, they're just like, I am stuck. Mm. Like, I just am not, I'm not just, I'm just not doing very well. And I could really use kind of a little bit of a reset in my life, you know? And man, I will say that a lot of the staff at Mercy, I mean, we've said, man, I wish, I wish I had known about Mercy when I was a teenager. Like Mm -hmm. I just, it would have been great to have this, I mean, what an amazing opportunity to be able to just like call a little bit of a timeout for a minute, Mm -hmm. go and just like receive some healing and some freedom and some connection with the Lord, like you've never experienced. And the rest of your life Mm -hmm. is going to be changed because you've made that decision. It's such a small amount of time Mm -hmm. to affect the rest of your life, you know? So, um, it's, it's different as far as how long it is for the different women in the program. Um, it can be you know, five, six months, it can be nine, 10 months. It's just, it completely varies. And the counselors who work with the young women, you know, work with them on when it's the best time for them to, to be able to graduate and to continue to walk out again. It's not the place that you go to get every single issue you've ever dealt with ever Mm -hmm. fixed. Okay. It's to receive some things that you can begin to put into practice for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I've, I've personally been connected with the folks there at the Sacramento location and it's um, such a blessing, the services that you guys are providing. So Mm. I would endorse it for those who are listening and you're wondering (laughs) if you uh, should reach out. Um, We, we think it would be a good option if that's where you find yourself. So thank you so much, Melanie. This has been wonderful. This has been so fun. Thank you guys for what you do. Oh, of course. Well, we, we close out each of our episodes by asking you this question and um, it's just a way for you to kind of rewind into the first couple years of your marriage. Think about the (laughs) advice that you wish you would have received and then fill in the Mm -hmm. blank. Dear young married couple. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that we ever received this advice, but I would say that my greatest piece of advice would be find yourself a really great marriage counselor (laughs) 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 or, you know, in my case, what my husband and I have found is, um, a life coach Mm -hmm. who really specializes in relationships and marriage. Mm -hmm. I will just say that, man, sometimes you don't even know what you're bringing in Mm -hmm. to a marriage or the preconceived things that you're bringing in. And sometimes you just really need that healthy, wise third party to be able to speak into things Mm -hmm. like, and I am hoping and praying that the stigma that counseling has had in the past, you know, I think it's shifting. I think it's changing. I hope it is. I know I work in that field. So I'm like, oh yeah, everybody counseling is great. Everybody knows that. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, there are still people who think it's just for the really, really messed up, you know? Right. I'm like, it is literally so great for everyone. And it is so good Mm. for marriages to be able to just have that place to go and process things with someone who can speak into it Mm. from a more neutral place um, and from a really wise place. And so I would, I'm just, I am so on board with that. Mm. Um, I encourage people to consider it. Well, there you go, folks. Thank you, Melanie, for uh, all this. And putting your heart and soul into the curriculum and all the the work you guys do to help women um, and men in difficulty. Mm, So thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Absolutely. Thank you guys. 
Well, guys, I hope that you enjoyed the show today. And I just want to give a really big shout out and thank you to Adam and Carissa King of Dear Young Married Couple for having Mercy on their show, but also for allowing us to share this episode with all of you with our Mercy Talk listeners. Um, And again, I really encourage you to follow Dear Young Married Couple on social media, subscribe to their podcast. They have some really, really great content. Um, And as always, we would be so grateful if you would help us out by rating the Mercy Talk podcast, writing a review wherever it is that you listen. And if you have any thoughts or questions about what was discussed on today's episode, or if you'd like to share any ideas that you have for future podcasts on Mercy Talk, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiplied.com. And to find out more about Mercy Multiplied, you can head over to mercymultiplied.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Bye.